speaking more from my experience about how I've how I've worked to try and help people make change. And, and see, it's one thing to have this picture in your mind about what you want to do and to ride off into the sunset on your horse. Um, it's another thing entirely to turn around and see people coming with you. Um, how do you get people to come with you? Um, it involves changing them in some sense, changing their mindset. Um, I think naturally um, we we don't go after pain, and which is often comes with change. But by nature, we we want things to just be comfortable and to work and and to be convenient for us. And yet, to to achieve um, substantial things, I would say, always involves significant sacrifice and cost. So, how do you get people to pay significant sacrifice and make great cost? How do we get people to change? Um, that's the big thing we, we need to keep looking into. Um, one of the things I, I continue to focus on is, is understanding that what I'm calling people to do is to get excited about something bigger than themselves. Because uh, as, as I mentioned before, we, we, no one needs to tell you to be concerned about self-protection or your own dreams for your own little uh, vision of your own future. Um, but really what we're calling people to do is get some excited about something far greater than their own comfort and their own convenience and their own little life. Something bigger. So that they're prepared to sacrifice little things for something greater. Um, and that greater something is the mission of God and His glory on earth. Um, and so <clears throat> I, that's a big part of what we need to focus on doing. How do we do that? I, there's three things I'm always thinking about doing you know, to call people to something greater than themselves. And, in, in three different kind of contexts. There's the one-on-one context, there's the small group meeting amongst the leaders context, and then there's the preaching context. They're the three contexts I'm always thinking about. The one-on-one context, I very ever, re- I very rarely ever have a coffee with someone without an agenda with them to help them see something that I want them to see. Um, so people will always know that there's something I want to bring up with them. And, and, and it'll be something like... Um, now, you do understand where we're trying to head with all this. Can you imagine if... And I, I paint pictures about what the Central Coast would look like um, if more people were following Jesus or what, what this group of people would look like if, if they came to know Christ. And, and recently, it, it, it's been in regards to the peninsula. Can you imagine the peninsula um, where people were following Jesus? Can you imagine what would happen to the youth crime rates? Can you imagine what would happen to this and that? Imagine what could happen for dysfunctional families. I, I'll paint pictures um, because I think until people see something that's bigger than their own little world and something that's grand and something that's that they're excited by, that's to, that, that's what God is doing, um, they won't ever pay a personal cost until they get excited about something bigger. So, um, and, and I'll have a couple of coffees a week with people where I'm trying to talk them into sacrificing their lives to get on board with giving more of themselves to mission. So in that one-on-one context, I work really hard and sometimes I push too hard and people um, will just say, that's nuts, Tim, why, you know. And other times I think I've been too soft and I haven't, I haven't called people to a big enough sacrifice. And I think that's probably our tendency more than anything. We, we can tend to see ourselves as the ones who are paid to do the work and if we can get someone to come along and do a bit of it with us, we're happy because it's as though they're helping us do our job. 
Whereas Ephesians 4 would say the exact opposite. It'd say it's our job to equip them for works of service. This is their work. This is their job. It's their job to build the church. It's their job to use what God's made them to be to um, see people come to Christ and, and see the church built up. And it's your job to train them to do that. So so as, as I go in with those kind of goggles on, when I'm sitting with a person, I'm thinking, I'm not trying to get them to help me. I'll, I want to call them to do what God's created them to do. Um, that, that gives me a little bit more confidence when I sit with a person and a little bit more um, grunt in what I'm saying and um, a little bit more urgency in calling people to a big vision. So there's the one-on-one setting. In, in leadership meeting settings, they're very key. I'm, I'm so... Um, uh, I mean, I'm really interested in what, what makes for good meetings that work. Everyone hates meetings. If you've read any of Lancioni's stuff, Death by Meeting is a good book. Um, the Five Dysfunctions of Team is a good book. Um, talking about how conflict can be a good thing in meetings, often a good thing in meetings. Um, learning how to um, sit with a group of your leaders, deal with conflict, help them see where we're heading is is really tricky. But when it works, you've got a group of leaders who are going something. It's really exciting. I love that stuff. So figuring out how to um, get your leaders back on track with vision. Um, Bill Hybels will always say that um, vision leaks. So even if you've come up with your vision, you feel like you've communicated your vision, you've got everyone on board with the vision, in three months' time, most of them will have forgot what it was. Where are we riding to again? They're on the horse going, riding really hard, <laughs> thinking, where are we going? Um, and so they'll need to continually be reminded where they're going. You won't, because you live it. And you're trying to get them to live it with you. But they need, your leaders will need continual reminding as to where you're heading so that they're happy to continually pay the cost of what it's going to take to get there. Um, the other bigger, the other, the more broader context is preaching, um, where I'm continuing to ask myself the question: um, what What is the big, life-changing, worldview-shaping thing that can be preached from this passage? Uh, why would it matter if if um, if the people never heard this message? Um, and and we work really hard at, at, at preaching large concepts, worldview-shaping concepts from preaching, rather than just small, uh, here's your lunchbox of application things, this is going to help you get through Monday. Um, if we can call people to the grand vision of you exist for God, not the other way around, that is a, a it's a life-shaking kind of thing. Because naturally, we think... Um, we, we, we are the centre of the universe and um, churches that preach God exists to help you achieve your dreams um, and be all that you can be and actualise your full potential Jesus is your life coach that's the, the latest popular message that's moved away from prosperity I reckon and it's into that at the moment so um, churches that preach that are growing massively because people want to walk through the door and hear that it's all about them and God exists for them to help them be all they can be so um, we work really hard to push the other way and keep saying, no, 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 God does not exist for you. You exist for him. And you are to give yourself to his cause. And what that means is this, is to follow Jesus, pick up the cross, and give yourself to um, bring people to know him and his glory. And so, um, so in preaching, we, I work really hard to kind of keep calling people to a grand vision for their life. Um, something far greater than their own little week. And it does transform the week, but it's it's just bigger than all that. 
And I think that's uh, it's exciting to have something big to live for. Um, people will pay the cost in their personal life if they're caught up in something large. And I think preaching is one of the best opportunities we have to, to give that to people. So there's the, there's the first thing I'd say to help people change. We need to envision them. We need to, and it's not like we need to go hunting for a special vision. Just give them God's vision in Scripture, what He's on about, um, in bringing glory to His own name and building His church. Um, so go hard at that. Go hard at envisioning people. Um, the second thing I'd say, I've, so I've got to envision them, show them, include them, organise them, hold them. So let me just kind of bunt, um, punch through those. There's envision them. Um, show them. People need to see that you are committed to that. People need to see evidence in your own life that you've paid great sacrifice and cost um, to head in that direction, otherwise they won't go with you. Um, show them how to get there. I, 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 I worked in ministry with guys for years who were, who were awesome at painting a really exciting picture of the future, but they never broke it down so I could see how we could get there. So after a while I grew cynical because I'd get caught up in their big vision and then I'd go, but you don't know how we can get there. Um, and they never really did show us how we're going to get there. So not only do we know where we're heading, we need to be able to show people, and here's how I believe we can get there. It's not just some pipe dream. I believe we can get there. And, and let, me, let me throw it at you and see what you think. And reverse engineer, bring it right back to the present. So they know the steps we're going to be taking them now. So, so, um, so I've attempted to do this with Peninsula and with Saturday EV. So with Peninsula, the big grand vision for the Peninsula is that we would see the, the place impacted for Christ. We would see at least 10% of the people living for Christ so that everyone on the Peninsula would know a committed Christian and would genuinely have the opportunity to consider the claims of Christ. Um, and so what would that take? What, what, does, what would it look like for 10% of the Peninsula to know Christ? Well, that's 4,000 people. At the moment, there's probably about 800 maybe that go to church. So that means there needs to be another 3,000 people at least living for Christ. How do we make that happen? And, and, and just kind of painting the big picture of the future and then just stepping it back. So that's going to mean quite a large church with a number of different congregations reaching into different sections of the community. Um, how do we do that? Well, what would be the first step? We want to establish a firm base um, from which we could then launch different kinds of congregations. How do we establish a firm base? Well, um, here's how we can do it. And just keep stepping it right back into the present. Um, um, and, and, and so it's called reverse engineering. Um, and I always appreciate it when someone reverse engineers for me so that, so that they break it right down to the now and they say, okay, so in the next few months, here's what we need to be doing. And for, for the whole peninsula thing it was, um, rounding up people who were already keen to start praying and to have monthly prayer meetings. And then it was, how can we get the word out a little bit broader over the next few months? And then it was, then it'll be, how can we secure a venue? Um, how can we be connecting with the community, doing mission? How can we be doing all those things? And I think as we paint the big picture, step it backwards, um, and then include them in the process of, so how do you think we can get the word out? And they'll be like, well, we could do this, we could do that. Okay, so you do that, you do that, you do that. Let's do that. Let's get the word out. Um, and so including them. So the first thing I said was envision them. Then I said show them how we can get there by stepping it back. And then I would say include them in certain parts of that strategy towards getting there. Um, help, let, let them help, let them brainstorm ways to pull off those things. 
Let them disagree with the strategy towards getting there. Let them voice their concerns and consider them because sometimes you'll be wrong and they, they've made some really good points. Um, but include them in the process so that they get right involved in it. Um, and then I would say organise them. Um, one, of the, one of the most helpful things I think is if you've stepped it back and we're trying to show people how to get involved is to actually set up different ministry teams. I know that sounds relatively simple, but set up ministry teams that have got a job description in them and there is clearly clarified, including them in the process of doing that, and have just people organised into different ministry departments and teams. And, that, and that's really breaking down a big vision, but it's, it's, it's helping people figure out the practical things that they can do now to contribute to that big picture and the practical things they can do now which are going to be able to pay the cost um, for that. And then, then the final thing I'd say is hold them. And what I mean by hold them is um, hold them accountable to what they said they would do. And here's, again, another area where I don't think we're strong enough with volunteers. We don't hold our volunteers accountable to the responsibilities that they put their hand up for in ministry. Either because we haven't clarified the responsibilities to start with, we haven't been clear about the job description. Um, but if we do that well, then we will be able to hold them accountable to job description. So, so the way we manage our volunteers is by having them report like you would a staff member report. Now, obviously, there's, there's, there's been nuanced slightly, um, but if people... Um, have said that they would get these certain things done in their ministry area over the next few months, um, then there needs to be a report of how they've gone with that and, and accountability as to why they haven't hit those targets or done things that way. Now, I think we, we, we're very cautious and we pull back from calling people to account on, on responsibility areas in ministry, and yeah, for good reason sometimes, but I think, I think we're missing out on letting people carry the, the weight of responsibility and the joy of real ministry um, by holding them responsible for doing those things. So I'd say hold them um, for the things that they said they would do. Um, now there, there's just things off the top of my head. Um, uh, I might pause just there and say, is any, is any of those things kind of, you want to ask questions about any of those? Um, it sometimes takes a different type of personality to break down the steps. One type of personality is really good at vision, big picture. Sometimes it takes others. Yeah. Uh, have you found that in experience? I, maybe you can cover both. I don't know. But um, how do you? How does that work for you? Good call. So if if you identify in yourself that you can. You can see the picture where we're getting you, the steps toward there are really muddy for you. Yeah, absolutely. Get get someone in alongside you who can help you clarify that and, and let them help you map it. Absolutely. So that's good. That's good. If you if you if you'd recognise you're good with vision but not with stepping it out, you've got to get someone who can see the steps toward that. And there will be people who will be in, in your group who can. Um, it's just what they do, they love that stuff. So they can help you map it out. Yeah. There's always different people in your groups too. Understanding from personalities will help you deal with um, internal processes will just be sitting there quietly and right hand of the meeting don't voice all their objections or later on privately. Lansing um, is good with helping you identify different personalities and the way they operate in meetings, but um, and getting your head around that stuff's really important. Yeah.
So this, this is how I aim to help people change. And, and bottom line, yep, we need to change. People need to help them move so they calm and they pay a great cost to governments. Um, yeah, any other questions? Are you I think it's good if you, if you let the process itself select the people. So people will opt in or opt out according to the, the intention and the objective of where you're going. So if you're very clear about where you're going, we want to reach relaxed coastal people. Um, and when people come along to an information night where they want to check out that kind of thing, they sit down and you say, okay, so here's the mob we want to reach. Uh, here's the things we think we need to do to reach those people. Do you think you can help us do that? Most people will be good at assessing whether they're going to be able to help you do that. And, and we did with Saturday have a number of people sit down with us who were initially excited about being part of it. Who sat down and went, oh, we don't think we can help reach those people because that's just not us. And so that's far better to have people check it out, opt out, or check it out opt in. And there were some people who, who I thought, oh, you're probably not a real good fit. But they really wanted to, and they've been great. So I reckon that people opt in or opt out um, according to how clearly you clarify what you're attempting to do. Yeah. We'll go with Phil. So, uh, so uh, I'm doing this all those envisioning and showing things, all the things, by yourself or any team at For what great, uh, one of uh, one number of people you are actually handling this? Sure. So, uh, is it just me doing that, or is there a yeah. team? Yeah. Um, well, I guess it depends on the scenario of what you're working on. Um, getting Saturday up and running, it was just me and Deb, my wife, thinking, where do we want to go with this? Um, and then sharing that with those who, are, who we thought can be a part of it. Um, Peninsula has been a whole different story because it's been working with the senior leadership team of the church and clarifying, you sure this is where we want to go? How do we think it could look? Clarifying stuff there and then and then letting it flow out from there. So it depends on the context, I think. Yeah. Yeah, the I think size. If you said there are about 54 members of the launching you chose, yep. so those 50 people is actually initially your target people who lead? Um, were those initial 50 yeah. part of the target group? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I brought some of them with me from Sydney. So when, when we decided to start, I got on the phone to a couple of the guys I've been in ministry with for years in youth ministry and said, hey, we're going to kick this thing off. We want to come be a part of it. And two of my, you know, my best friends decided to quit their jobs, uproot their families and move up to help it start. So I already did have a couple of guys I'd already worked with for for years who I think um, didn't need to be one to the philosophy of ministry, didn't need to be one to the concept. They, they kind of we could speak the same language here. So it wasn't just me. It was probably me, two other guys and their wives and kids, kind of, sh kind of including that, that other bunch of 50 years. In that mob, yeah. But working really hard to do that, yeah.